Welcome to Top of the Game with Javier Sade, where we talk to amazing people that are shaping the world. These lightning round talks explore what makes remarkable leaders tick. Thinkers and doers pushing humankind forward and at the top of their games. Impactful insights, global perspectives, valuable wisdom you can use every day in your life and work. This is Top of the Game. Enjoy today's episode. Here's Javier. Competing to win, Grace Prendergast. New Zealander Grace Prendergast is an amazing human being. She's a 15-time national champion in the premier category of rowing, an Olympic gold medalist, a five-time world champion, and the current world champion in the Coxus pair. I'll get out of the way so you can listen to this incredible competitor and fierce human being. Grace, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. There's just so many things to talk about with you. Let's start with the fact that I don't get to talk to 15-time world champions and Olympic gold medalists every day, and probably a lot of people never get to listen to people like you. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Where, where, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? And then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I'm originally from New Zealand, born and raised there up until about two years ago when I moved to the UK. Um, but yeah, I had, um, I would say, a typical sort of New Zealand upbringing. I think we're a very sporty, sporty nation, very outdoor, outdoorsy nation as well. So sort of, you know, never really dreamed of being a professional sports person, but was always a very, very keen sports person. Um, and then found rowing when I was in high school um, and just kind of immediately took to it and loved it. And I think that was sort of gave me the first, um, I guess, like, oh, a spark in my mind being like, oh, is this something that maybe I could take a little bit further than just a childhood sport? And um, and then it sort of eventuated from there. And uh, rowing is quite a big sport in New Zealand. So I was lucky enough to come into a system where I was able to, witness amazing people that had come before me and sort of learn from them but then um god fast forward uh 10 12 years and then now i'm here and it's it's a little bit um unreal to kind of think of that entire journey in my childhood i definitely didn't think it was going to end up like this <laughs> nobody knows where life takes us but let, i i i got stuck in new zealand is sporty um the you know to the listeners that may not be too familiar with new zealand it is blessed with a, a lot of natural beauty and grace like you a lot of people um sort of gravitate to nature and kind of outdoors events and things like that but you took it to you know as they say in the us you took the volume up to 11. um <laughs> And before, before we get into the, the real meat of this, which is competing on the Olympics and win, winning gold, um, tell me a little bit about when was it? Was it a specific time that you said, oh my God, I got to go to the Olympics and I got to kick everyone's butts? Was it a specific time? Was it a collection of experiences? Like how, what was the path for you to get to the point you got to? Yeah, I think it was probably just a natural progression. Um, I was fortunate to make a New Zealand team, an age group team, albeit my last year of high school, the under 19 team. Um, so that was my very first experience of rowing for New Zealand. And 
on top of that, we managed to go to world champs and win. So I suppose that was my first um, time where I, I sort of got to, to see what emotions and feelings came along with becoming a world champion. And when that happened for the first time, I was like, oh, I, I, would, I would do anything to sort of recreate this feeling. But I think even then it wasn't, the natural progression wasn't then to think about the Olympics because I was still young. I still put people that went to like the Olympic mm-hmm. games and won Olympic medals on this real pedestal. So I still don't think I saw myself as that person, but over time I sort of, as I got better, as I went through the age group teams and I sort of got closer and closer to it, then I started to set my eyes on it, but it definitely wasn't um, a goal or an aspiration of mine until I actually saw it as a possibility um because i think it was like quite an overwhelming goal to have um you know you grow up watching events like this and and i'm like gosh to be in that position you must have to be incredible and it's very hard to see yourself in that sort of light so it was definitely more of a natural progression rather than sitting there with this um unrealistic goal of going it was when i thought okay you're getting good enough that this is actually a possibility yeah, you're describing something that I think it's in it's part humble, but it's also part reality, which is that people that achieve incredible things, all the people on the show are those people, you're among them. Sort of there's a lot of serendipity to how we end up where we end up. And in your case, discovering a talent and nurturing it, you know, now you fast forward, now you know you're really good because you're winning everything and now it's time to take it to the world stage just describe at the height of the training just describe a typical week yeah i definitely didn't pick a sport that was um probably the most glamorous or the the easiest one training wise um (laughs) so yeah i probably could have picked better but um it's rowing is a very very big training based sport you you don't do a lot of competing compared to how much you're training so even though our races are only about seven minutes ish give or take it's still like a lot of long endurance long distance training so over the week we would at least train twice a day maybe two or three times a week we would be training three times a day and the morning consists of a, a, a probably a very long substantial row which um we work in kilometers but it, it would be about between like 24 to 30 kilometers and then you might come in and have an hour or so off the water and then you might hop on the the rowing machine for up to about 90 minutes is the max we'll do um probably nothing shorter than an hour and then come in have a few more hours and then you might be back in the gym or back on the water either doing weights or, or going for another row so it's it's pretty relentless um i think i just lived my life tired for about 10 years so um it's nice to feel a little bit fresher now but what i liked about it is it's it's such a big training sport but the more you put in the more you get out so it sort of rewards hard work and i think that sort of resonated really well with me um but yeah it's it's a lot of rowing so you're on you're on the water for probably at least four maybe more, probably more hours a day um so you get pretty used to kind of zoning out going to a different place while you're yeah. sort of chewing up those kilometers 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm just doing quick math and you're rowing, I don't know, dozens, hundreds of kilometers a week, day mm. in and day out. Um, you didn't say it, but you implied it that while the sport gives you back because your performance increases, it's little by little. It's not step function. All of a sudden you shaved off a minute. You're talking about seconds, right? Oh yeah, definitely seconds. I think, especially as you get to the top of your game, like the top of anything that the improvements that you're making are so minor, they're so little and it's a lot of work and a lot of effort to get those tiny little improvements that might give mm -hmm. you a half a second at the end of the day but I, when you're at the top all, all of that is really what's gonna what's gonna count and um even all your habits and your skills are so ingrained in you and you've done it for thousands and thousands and thousands of strokes over and over again so changing those technical habits is is really hard as well and and you're doing all this work for such minor improvements but i think if you want to get to the top, it's those little one percenters that really count and you've got to be willing to sort of put the effort in and, and, and do those if, if, if you're motivated enough to try and be better than everyone else that's putting in a lot of work all over the world. Right. We'll get to we, we'll get to the competition in a second. Um, but what you're describing is very common almost in every human endeavor is that once you reach a level of good slash great to get to excellent, it's a lot of little tiny improvements and steps that add up to being the best. So now you've done tens of thousands of hours over your lifetime. And I know you've competed in many uh, in many different competitions, uh, rowing around the world, but now you're in the Olympics. Now, all of a sudden, all those tens of thousands of hours boil down to five minutes. What's in your head? Um, it was actually an interesting process because I, so I, I went to two Olympic games. I went to Rio and I went to Tokyo. And I, I think the way I approached the racing at the Olympics was very different in each because we we had the unusual experience of... And I'd say in Rio, I felt that pressure. I felt that I was like, I've done thousands of hours of training for this one race and it was not a very nice feeling. It was uh, it was a high pressure. It was almost a stress. It was almost like a feeling of almost like desperation of wanting a result to tell yourself that all those hours are worth it. And and we ended up coming forth. So I, I don't think that was the right sort of mindset. Whereas in Tokyo, we'd done a lot of work to be like, it's a long journey. There is a lot that goes into getting to that one race. You don't want to have all your hopes and dreams riding on this one race. You have to enjoy the process because there are certain things you can't control. And that really um, came into play when COVID happened and the Olympics was delayed a year. Mm -hmm. And the thought of potentially the Olympics being cancelled as well was such a overwhelming feeling because I was like, we've done four years of work since the last Olympics to get this chance to do one race. Um, but I think because we'd sort of changed our mindset after the Rio Olympics and thought more about the process and the journey and, and all of that, I was, I, of course I would be absolutely gutted if the Olympics was canceled, but I was like, I've still got so much out of this journey. And then we were fortunate enough that they ended up just being postponed a year. But when I was sitting in the start blocks, waiting for the for the beep, the buzzer to go off to to start the race, it wasn't 
I didn't have that same feeling. It wasn't this um, stress that all my hard work was coming down to this one one race. Um, I was more sitting there thinking like, we're so fortunate enough to be here to get this opportunity to put out a performance that hopefully will go well, hopefully we'll come away achieving our goal of winning, but we actually get the shot to do it. So it was through a bad circumstance like COVID, it really changed our mindset of being like, we're, we're actually in a privileged position that we get the chance to race and show everyone the work we've been doing. Um, so obviously nerves were still heightened. It was still still um, mm-hmm. a lot of um, emotions like that rolling, rolling around in the brain. But overall, it was almost just this sense of like excitement at what we potentially could go on to achieve in this maybe six, seven minutes. Um, so it was like a completely different mindset and definitely one that I think approaching it like that, it's going to give you more of an opportunity to thrive and perform at your best rather than that sort of fear of, wow, you've got one shot to achieve your dream. If you don't, God, do you go again? Do you do you quit? Is that it? Are you never going to achieve it? Um, it was It was an interesting process to work through for us. <laughs> Having done it once in, in uh, Rio, you knew the experience, right? So you had at least you, the, it wasn't a black box. I mean, preparing your mind for something so singular and so, you know, episodic, it's like one race. Um, the level of mental acuity you need is the same as having your body perform at its highest level. Talk a little bit about getting into the right mindset. Yeah, it, it's mindset is hugely important. And I think when I thought about my situation, I was like, I know all my competitors uh, across the world training really hard, probably doing similar sort of work on the water. Um, all of that. So I was like, what's going to separate you is your ability to do it to a higher standard. And that's when your mindset comes, comes into it. Um, and we did a lot of work around this and, and the way we sort of approached it was the four years leading into the Olympics. We wanted to put ourselves in the most stressful situations we could think of, put ourselves under the most pressure we could think of. We, we would put ourselves in situations where we, um, were racing against boats that we knew were faster than us we we knew they were meant to be faster than us so we would go out for a training session and and know that if we were off it for like one stroke two strokes out of in a 30k row we were going to get left behind and it was going to be relatively miserable as we sort of just got dropped from the pack and and we were always sort of striving to compete against people that were just better than us um and also putting ourselves in situations where you were designed to fail. So it might be sessions that we just physically actually wouldn't be able to achieve. And going into a session like that mentally is really, really hard because you're sort of like, I don't, I actually don't think this is possible, but how do you approach a situation when you're sort of up against an impossible task? And when you start to fail, how do you, how do you cope with that? Um, And working through all of those things taught us so much each time that by the time we got to the Olympics, I was like, we've spent the last four years in the toughest of situations, potentially tougher than what we're about to go into. So I had so much confidence lining up at the Olympics and our ability to cope with anything. And I, I, it's pressure and nerves and, and all that is a really funny thing, but you can't 
fake coping with that. So if you <laughs> spend four years sort of living in your comfort zone, not practicing, you can't get to your pinnacle event and, and say, oh, I've got nerves now. Like, no, you should be fine. Or yeah, you can't, you can't cope with it if you haven't practiced coping mm-hmm. with it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a tough four years. It was hard. It was, it was mentally tiring, tiring and draining, but it was incredibly rewarding and got us to a point where I was like, anyone could throw anything at us. Anything could happen. And I can guarantee I can almost think of a situation we've been in the last four years that is similar enough that we could work through that then I was confident I'd be able to um, cope with it on the day if it happened at the Olympics. Um, So I think just practicing those skills are so important because you cannot learn them when the pressure is really, really on at your pinnacle event. Yeah, you describe something that is very, uh, that is very common in top leaders, people at the top of their game, the name of the show, which is that to achieve success, there's a lot of failures that lead you to it and mistakes that you self-correct and that having the courage and the wherewithal to basically you're punching yourself in the face on purpose to get better ultimately yields results. But that takes persistence, perseverance, being a grown up, knowing that there's a tomorrow, you know, on and on about just so many things to unpack in what you were saying. One more question around when people achieve the goal. And like you said, the goal, you didn't know what your goal was going to be when you, you know, you were a teenager in New Zealand and here you are, you achieved the goal. How did you feel? when you won gold yeah it was it was a it was a series of a lot of interesting emotions i i think i would say that i i finally set myself the goal of winning an olympic gold probably about six years before i actually won it so so much went into it that i think when i finally achieved it it wasn't this um feeling of like ecstatic emotions and all that or disbelief it was actually just like such a deep feeling of satisfaction and i was like i've worked so hard for this i have sacrificed so much for this i've had so many highs but also so many lows that have contributed to getting here that it was just almost just felt incredibly proud of myself and my peer partner kerry and and our wider team that we put so much into this and I, and I believe we got the result that we deserved. Um, so it was, I would say that's probably my overwhelming sense, sense of emotion was just like pride and satisfaction. And then the interesting, slightly interesting one I felt was like a little bit sad because of course it'd been a hard journey. It had been many lows as well, but I'd loved it. And, and when we won and it sort of sunk in a little bit, I was like, oh gosh, it's over. I was like, that was such a cool experience. And it was so amazing sort of working towards something like that and we achieved it but i was like oh it's done now i was, I was so i was always i was a little bit interested to be like oh i'm a little bit sad but overall obviously happy but i think i just loved the journey so much that that was an interesting emotion that popped up for me as well it's kind of anticlimactic is what you're describing you weren't expecting it to be anticlimactic you're like oh okay cool i won next 
<laughs> well, I, I'm not sure if I would say anticlimactic. I think it was like I never had that sort of feeling before that I was like, I've put so much work into something and I've achieved a result. Like I think that is probably a feeling I will maybe never get again. It was, I think it was just, it was just a, a much more rewarding feeling than I thought rather than um, sort of disbelief. And I think that came down to the fact that I, I, I knew in my mind, if we put out a good performance, we could achieve this. So I, I, I sort of had confidence in us. I had backed us so that when it happened, I was like, yeah, we've achieved my expectation rather than I think there might be crews out there that maybe um, are less confident or less sure of themselves so that when they achieve a, a result like that, it's more, oh, I've exceeded my expectation. And then that's when those sort of results, that those um, emotions come but yeah, I would say not anticlimactic, but just different than I'd anticipated. Thank you for correcting my word. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, I didn't make the good words in your mouth. Um, kind of one of the last things I want to cover is support and the people around us and the systems around us. So like you're the you're the star, and CEOs are the face of a company, and authors of books are the ones that write them, but around all of these people, including you, Grace, there's all these support mechanisms and, and people. Can you talk a little bit about yours? Yeah, definitely. I think support networks uh, are so important in any sort of really ambitious goal or trying to achieve something that's um, at such a high level. It, it requires so many people and the help of so many people. And when I think about the number of people that I would say contributed to me getting to where I got to, it, it's massive. Like I have my friends, my family, mm -hmm. I have so many people that I rode with throughout the years. And then I have my really close knit support network that um, I would say our, my little tight team that we worked together to get to that goal. So it was like me, my, my peer partner, Kerry, um, my coach. And there was probably about, three or four other people that I would say are in that really like inner circle. Um, but then the circle gets wider and wider and wider and they all contribute so much. And I would say that is potentially one of the reasons why I was able to go on to be successful is I, I did really realize the power of other people in your journey. And, and I think I learned how to utilize other people's skills and, and and bring out the best in them which obviously helps me achieve my goal but also capitalizes on on the the people i have around me because i mean there's so many things i struggle with that i need to rely on other people and and learning how to rely on people and how to use them to support you is so important in any team but i think it's also really important that once you get to the top that you need to acknowledge these people and the role they play because um no one gets to the top by themselves and it's it's borderline impossible so you really need to learn the power of being a good teammate along the way because i think that will allow you to sort of reach higher heights with with a with a strong team whereas if you try to go sort of go it alone there's going to be a ceiling on how high you can go i'd say tell me a little bit about the you know uh, some of the cool people you've met 
once we got our medal, Jacinda Ardern did, did, did do a whole Instagram post about us. So I, I think that was that was a highlight to, to sort of get some recognition from the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Jacinda does not suck. She was probably extremely happy to have somebody like you representing your beautiful homeland. Grace, this, I can keep going on for days with you. You're just such an amazing person that has accomplished so much and you're still so young and that competitive streak I'm sure will pop up in the stuff you're doing today. And I really thank you for stopping here at the show and talking for a little bit. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's always nice to sort of talk a little bit about my journey. So it's, um, it's always very enjoyable. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. For information and links about today's guests, check out the show notes and visit topofthegame-thepod.com. Your host, Javier Sade, the show Top of the Game. Thanks for listening.